Welcome to the Sugar Hill Church Podcast. We hope and pray this message challenges and inspires you to live out God's truth in your life. Have you ever heard this phrase, that you were part of a random act of kindness? Does that not sound oxymoronic to you? Random and kindness? I mean, seriously, when people are kind to us, doesn't it just blow your mind? Because our expectation today has been so whittled down that when we get to the lowest common denominator of relationships with anybody at any level, when somebody kind of crosses the line and decides I'm going to act in kindness, are you not just blown away? Because it, it totally shocks me. Now, I want to be honest with you here. For this guy to teach on kindness, all right, is probably not real good, all right? That's, that's like showing an alpha, you know, like an unhealthy guy talking about how to eat a paleo diet, right? You just, you know, that, okay, there's, there's a mismatch here. Me talking about kindness is not easy because at the end of the day, I've spent most of my life not being very kind, and so in many ways, at 9.30 and today, I feel like there's this big honking uh, mirror between me and the front row, and I'm just looking at myself saying, Chuck, you really got to pick your game up when it comes to acting and reacting in kindness. Uh, one of the people that I genuinely love in this church, and there's so many of them, but Dina Thigpen is sitting back here, and he, she and Rusty and their daughters have meant so much to my family and I, but uh, Dina, a few weeks ago, just decided I'm going to stop by Publix or Kroger. Where were we at, Dana Publix? Yeah, Kroger. And um, yeah, like I say, Kroger. And, um, and she kind of took and realized Thursdays they swap out flowers, you know. And so now she purchases and gets those uh, discounted flowers that are up. And then Beth Cross, their daughter, had a wedding last night in Decula. And Beth said, hey, would you like to use these flowers? Now watch what she does with them. She and her daughters and Sam, our daughter, get to hang out with them and do this as well. They, they bundle these flowers and put them in these little mason jar kind of thingies with water and whatever else you do with flowers. And they deliver them to people just as acting more like Christ. Is that not cool? I mean, seriously, just how cool is that? Just, okay, that's a golf clap. Seriously? I mean, you started off with a bless your heart clap. You know, it's like, okay, am I supposed to do this or not kind of thing? Like at the golf course, we're supposed to behave. This is, that's a good thing. But Dana, thanks for that. But I, hit, I get to hear those kind of things happening all over Sugar Hill Church week after week after week. So grab your Bibles. And if you have an app on your phone you use or your tablet that you use, just open up that app. If you're in our, in our Sugar Hill Church app, you can follow my notes in the app or use the scriptures that are there. We're going to start in the book of Colossians in chapter 3. Now, limber up your fingers. There's a lot of scripture reference today. Uh, as we talk about kindness and try to get this into our system. Colossians chapter 3, verse 12 says, Since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you must clothe yourself with tenderhearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Kindness is a language that when spoken, the deaf can hear and the blind can see. Kindness is love in action, especially when love is wearing her work boots. Kindness is the action that happens in our heart when the presence of the love of God and the priority of Christ in our life has taken its proper place. And because of that love, kindness then is what we get to participate in. It is an action. It is something we do. 
Uh, kindness is not one of those things where, you know, if, you're, uh, uh, if your motivation is really good, but you never do anything, we don't call that kindness. We call it a good heart, right? But if we're not careful, a good heart can become a lazy heart. Because our heart might be saying, okay, this is what I should do, and I really want to make a difference. I want to be used by God. I want to do something for for this person. But, and then once you insert the but and the comma, then the rest of that sentence falls off the table. Because when we get the kindness, we're acting on the presence of love. We're acting on the presence of God. Because we know Scripture says God is love. So we know love, by definition, is the presence of God. So without the presence of God in our life, without it being at the proper perspective in life, and in in that right priority in our life, then kindness doesn't happen naturally to us. You know, sociologists and psychologists have decided that maybe 25, 26% of us have a natural bent toward kindness which leaves us, you know, 74 or 5% of us in that space where we don't naturally have a bent toward kindness, all right? Now, I'm not going to take a poll here, but just kind of search your own heart and decide which one you are. I mean, because I don't want to tell you, because, see, I know what my bent is, right? And so, for me, I, I learned how to have a critical spirit growing up. I learned how to find what's wrong with things, And it's like the Lord has been working on me for years to grow and instill in me a heart that is motivated with kindness. Do any of you go to work tomorrow and you're just so excited that you can't sleep tonight because you know when you're going to get in the office, somebody's going to just wear you out? I mean, seriously, do any of you get excited about it? Do you want to go to lunch with a person that's going to absolutely dog cuss you because of something you did wrong? No, we don't want that, do we? You ever had one of those weeks where no matter what you did, you couldn't please everybody? And as a matter of fact, you might get to a point where you say, I haven't pleased anybody. And when you're there, you're thinking, I just want to be out of this situation. You know why? Because kindness is something that literally captivates our heart. And when we know it's there, we want more of it. But I've discovered that for us to experience kindness, we have to have the opportunity to extend kindness. And when I look at this, the scripture says, since God chose you, now, just insert your name, okay? Since, since God chose Andrew, since God chose Abby, since God chose you, he's chosen you to be the people he loves. God has already given you a, 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 a leg up here. You have the opportunity to extend life and kindness and grace and mercy, if no other reason, because God has said, I love you. I've already, I've already given you what you need. You are fully equipped to be kind because what I've extended to you is love in his presence. Now, the term clothe in there literally means that in the morning you get up and you choose what you're going to wear. Now, if you're particular about that, maybe you pick it out you know, the, the night before. If you're like some of our kids, it's somewhere in the pile in the corner right? And then some of our other kids, it's been determined for the week that is labeled appropriately and color matched, right? Which is, by the way, the vast minority. But you pick in the morning what to put on. Somewhere this morning, here's what you said. I'm wearing a blue dress. I don't care what they think. If that church doesn't like blue dresses, tough. I'm wearing a blue dress. Jackie got up and said, you know what? Green shirt. I'm on it. Looked in the mirror and said, that's look good. And then came here. And, you know, the church said, you don't understand. We don't like green. We like yellow. You know what she said? But I pick green. In the morning, you do the same thing when you choose kindness. Clothe means literally to pick a shirt or jacket or pants up and put it on your person. 
What scripture is saying is God already has given you the ability. It's sitting in your closet. It's hanging neatly there. And all you have to do is take it off the hanger and put it on your body and you can be clothed in kindness. So why should we be kind, Chuck? I mean, give, give me a reason. I'm one of those people who just needs, I need to know fact and I need to understand this. Okay, let me give you a couple of reasons that I think you ought to be kind. Number one, I think we ought to be kind because God was kind to us first. So if, if God has modeled for us, this is how to act. He was kind to us to begin with. In Ephesians chapter 8, verse 2, the scripture says, because of his kindness, you've been saved through trusting Christ. Now here's an aha, you ready? If you're, if you're going to tweet anything today, you're going to use this. Grace and kindness always go together. Grace and kindness are always hand in glove. Grace and kindness go together like cuff and link. Grace and kindness go together like Rocky and Bullwinkle. Grace and kindness go together like peanut butter and jelly, Batman and Robin, Justin Bieber and girl jeans. They always go together, no matter what you do. That wasn't really kind. I'm just saying. But it was funny. Come on. He is the sweetest little girl. And so we should be kind. You, you thought it. I just said it. Come on. I know this isn't a church that says amen a lot, but come on, that's worth something. I mean, you know, all right, well, maybe not. We ought to be kind because God is kind to us. But the second reason we ought to be kind is because we want other people to be kind to us. Don't you? I mean, seriously, don't you want people to treat you with kindness? So when you have to go like to the DMV to renew your license and you walk up there and this lady has not had fun since she was four, right? <laughs> And she looks at you and she says, you need a driver's license and you need a proof of this and a proof of that and you need a proof of seven other things. And by the way, are you an American? And you say, well, ma'am, do, do I sound like an American? I mean, seriously, I speak fluent Bubba. I live in Gwinnett County, Georgia. And she says, yeah, but I gotta have all this stuff, right? Now at that moment, are you thinking kindness? Are you thinking this is why I don't carry a gun, <laughs> right? You know what I'm saying, don't you? But here's what happens. When we want other people to be kind to us, we've got to learn to be kind. Matthew chapter 7, verse 12 says, do to others what you would have them do to you. Now, you thought that was Aesop's fable, but no, the scripture says the golden rule. You need to treat other people the way you want to be treated. And I know what you're going to say. Yeah, but they don't act like that and they don't receive that. But that's not your job. Your job is to do the part of being kind. That's our job. Proverbs 21, 21, you know, it says, be kind and honest and you will live a long life. Whoa. And others will respect you and treat you fairly. So if you want to be treated fairly, then we, we, got, to, we, we got to be honest. We got to speak in kindness. And all of those things happen in love. Proverbs eleven seventeen, Your own soul is nourished when you are kind. It's destroyed when you're cruel. If you've been around social media at all, you'll notice that every Sunday I post this one phrase, refresh your soul. I believe through the course of a week, one of the greatest reasons we come together in the house of God to encourage and sing and praise and hear from God and be a part of a grace and, and, and faith-filled family, I believe one of the reasons we are to do that is that our soul is replenished. Our soul is refreshed with the goodness and the grace and the kindness of God. I don't believe any of you woke up this morning and came to church for somebody to scream at you. I don't believe you came to worship today for, for somebody to tell you this is what's wrong with you. 
I believe we're here today to hear what God has to say about how we can live this life over this next week in such a way that we might take a step toward living more like him and loving him more day by day by day. And that's not going to be accomplished by telling everybody what they do wrong, but trying to encourage them in love to walk with Christ. And that's our job. I, I get requests a lot from people who say, I wish you'd preach on X, Y, or Z. I wish you'd preach on alcohol. I wish you'd preach on gay marriage. I wish you'd preach on people find this stuff all the time. And let me just say to you, that's probably never going to happen here. All right? I really do believe at our core, when we get Jesus right, we'll get all those other issues right. But right now, we're still trying to prove we can get him right. But we need to get him right. And I look at, I look at this life, and I think to myself, I want others to treat me that way. You know what you were part of this week? You didn't even know this, but you were a part of training 45 churches about how to just simply be a part of, of ministering and partnering with local schools. Our local schools, they're not the greatest mission field on the planet. They're one of the greatest partners this church has. We, we're not here to find what's wrong with public schools. We're here to partner with them to make sure this community is better in this next generation the way we left it. They're partners with us. You got to train 45 pastors somewhat this week. And Dr. Gresham from uh, Lanier High School was there to tell them about it, not you. He got to brag on his own church. Crystal Thompson, the principal down here at Sycamore, she got to brag on her own church. You sent those 100-plus bags of food. You, you're going to serve nine schools with backpacks coming this fall. This morning, there, there are churches that met in Cuba because of you. There are families that are worshiping the Lord in Kenya because of you. There are orphans in Haiti eating because of you. That sounds an awful lot like kindness to me, doesn't it? Because you see, this ought to be a hallmark of our church. I am convinced that if each of us left here today with the determination to increase our kindness by 25% this week, we couldn't hold the number of people that would be here. Because, see, I think one of the reasons people don't come to church is they've already been there once. And they weren't met with kindness and grace and mercy. They were met with some type of condemning finger about you're not like us. Thank God they're not all like us. I mean, just think about it. Can you imagine a church filled with nothing but Sugar Hill Church people? You'd go bat crazy. But imagine, though, if, if we were to embrace folks that don't look like us and don't think like us? What if we were to embrace people who, who some of what they do, we just don't understand? I get asked from people all the time, Chuck, I wish, I wish you'd tell us clearly what you believe about gay marriage. You know what, at the, at the core of my being, I, I believe in a traditional Judeo-Christian marriage of one man, one woman. I believe that with all my heart. All right, but let me, let me tell you something. There has got to be room that we can figure out somehow, some way to not endorse, but to love people who are different than we are. There has to be a way. And all I'm saying to you is, I don't think that's a soft stand on the gospel at all. I think that's an absolutely correct stand. If Jesus were to walk here today, I do not believe a gay couple that walked up to the Lord Jesus today, he would say, be done with you. I think he'd sit down and have coffee with them. I believe he'd have dinner with them. I believe he'd talk to them about how much he loves them. You see, when we let kindness intercept our lives, what will happen in our life without any remorse is that we will, as a people, begin to allow God to do what only God should do, and that is to judge 
We will allow Christ to do what only Christ can do, and that is to forgive. And we can allow the Spirit of God to do only what the Spirit of God can do, and that is to hold and direct and care and nurture and guide and correct. There's only one job left for the church. There's only one job left for me and you, to love people. That is our only job. And when we get involved in God's job, in the, in the Son's job, in the Spirit's job, we've taken on their role. Could I just say to you, aren't we all glad we're not God? Seriously, I'm on, that, I'm on the Appalachian Trail, and this night, literally, I got no sleep. My hammock is filled with water. I am freezing to death. I mean, really, this is unbelievable. I thought I would sit down and read the scriptures to kind of calm my mind, meditate a minute. The Lord brought me to Philippians chapter 2. I know most of you have memorized it, but those of you that haven't, it's about humility. And I'm thinking to myself, Lord, could we just not work on somebody else today? Well, come on. At one point, we're getting pelted in this hailstorm trying to put our tents up. And Ben swears that at one point, I said, really, Lord, really? <laughs> one night, it, it, was, it was a miserably cold night. And I got up the next morning and I said, well, at least it didn't rain. Benj, being filled with mercy, looks at me and says, you idiot. It rained all night long. Drugs. <laughs> so much so that he wanted them the next night. He made me put my tent like 30 feet apart because he said I snored so loud. Being filled with kindness, my response was, aren't you glad I didn't bring my pistol? I'd shoot your tail right now in love. Let me tell you a few things that I do believe kind people are. I believe kind people are sensitive. I believe they're sensitive to people around us. I believe kind people are aware of the needs of people around them. Philippians chapter 2 verse 4 says... Each of you should look not to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. I have folks often will say to me in a counseling appointment, they'll say, you know, Chuck, you talked about the Spirit of God kind of prompts you or God kind of tells you what to do. You know, Chuck, I, I don't really ever feel that. I'd like to know, how, how do I know God's talking to me? So I, I will inevitably give you two pieces of advice. Number one is, if you want to hear from God, you have to intentionally spend some time with God. You have to choose. I'm going to carve a few minutes out to start with. I'm going to read God's word. I want to encourage you to start with the gospel of John. At the end of every chapter that you read or at the end of every 10 minutes you read, whatever that mark is, ask yourself this question. All right, what did Jesus say about himself and what am I going to do with it? Just start, right? But you know, the second thing I'll say to them is this. If you will tune in one ear to the life that is going on around you and tune the other in to the voice from heaven, I'll promise you, you hear from God. But you've got to make at least one ear available. But here's the catch. When God gives you a prompt, when God gives you a word, when you feel in your gut, in your soul, I'm supposed to do this, when you squelch it and you don't act on it, that voice gets harder and harder to hear. The more you act on it, the more you will hear it. The more you act on it, the clearer it will be. But we've got to do that. A few Sundays ago, this rare thing happened. I was early. And that doesn't happen much on Sunday morning. And so I hadn't eaten breakfast at home. And so I thought, I'm going to stop at that McDonald's on Buford Highway in Duluth and eat. All right? Now, if you've ever been there, that store's not really known for, you know, their quick service. And so I've ordered. And then while I'm ordering, I'm thinking, okay, 
I want to add a cup of coffee to it, so I'm actually going to sit down and eat breakfast. How great will this be? And this dude uh, had already rung me out. So I'd swipe my debit card, and I was done. I'm buying the cup of coffee. I'd give him 20. He's giving me some change back. And it was like God said, you need to do something for this kid. And, and in my mind, I'm thinking, I don't, I don't want to do anything for this kid. <laughs> and and it really, it was like the Lord said, Chuck, come on. Suck it up, big boy. Let's make this happen. So I said, hey, buddy, I want to buy your lunch today. And I gave him the 10 back. This kid looked at me and said, I can't take that. And all of a sudden, I thought, I love this kid. <laughs> Could I adopt him to kind of off? Anyway, the, um, so he took the 10, and uh, I'm, feeling, I'm, I'm feeling excited. Like, okay, that was kind of fun, Lord, really. That was cool. And, and I go down. I'm buttering my biscuit. And, and this about 40-year-old sweet Asian lady walks up to me, and she says, are, are you a Christian? I said, well, yes, ma'am, I am. And she said, I, I thought so. I said, well, what would make you think that? And she said, well, um, I saw what you did. Only a Christian would do that. And it hit me. I, I wasn't there to give the kid a 10. I was there to encourage her. You see, when we act in kindness according to a prompting for God, it's, not, it, it's rarely about us or the person. It's about what's going on around us. Have you ever wondered, like when we read the, the, the miracles that Jesus has in the New Testament, why, what's the big deal about the miracle? You, you, sometimes we think, what's the miracle? Well, okay, it's the physical healing or maybe it's the spiritual healing. I, I believe Jesus is giving a doctoral lesson on how we're to go through life and we're supposed to care for other people with kindness as well. I think maybe the greatest lesson there is come walk with me, come act like me, and when you walk with me, you'll find it easy to act like me. I believe a kind person is sensitive. I believe a kind person is supportive. I really do. I believe a kind person is supportive. Kindness always includes encouragement. You see, the attitude and the actions identify kind people, and they're always encouraging. They are always helping us. They're not deflating us. They're encouraging us. One of the best ways to be supportive is with our speech. Now, here's what we know about the speech, according to the scriptures. Whatever is in your heart, so whatever is at the core of your being, that's inevitably going to come out of your mouth. And so when our core is not in, in a place where God is at love and God is love and you are in love with God, then inevitably what's coming out of your mouth is what is at the core of your heart. You see, eventually, no matter how much you may fake church today, tomorrow at three, the real you is coming out. And so when, when we determine that kindness is going to happen in our life, we're making a determination to build people up rather than tear them down. We, we've determined to watch what we say to other people. We're going to speak kindly. According to Proverbs 15, 4, the scripture says, kind words bring life, but cruel words crush your spirit. Isn't that true? Isn't it true that you, you don't want to hang out with somebody who can always find something wrong with you? You don't want to hang out with a person. You, you may have done 48 things, but you had 49 on your to-do list, and the only thing they can find is 49, right? We've all got them in our life. We're, we're, those folks are, are absolutely certain their purpose in life is to keep us humble. So if you're here today and you say, you know, thank God this sermon is not for me. If you're watching online or you're here live today or you're going to listen to this broadcast later on on our replay system and whatever all that's going on, if you're sitting there right now and you think, thank goodness this doesn't apply to me, let me just stop and say that you really need to listen. Because see, what goes hand in hand with love and grace and kindness is obedience to the one that is love. This is where we find kindness. 
Proverbs 10.32 says, Righteous people know the kind thing to say, but the wicked are always saying things to hurt. So when you look at this life, we're saying, you know, the Lord didn't make this hard. I mean, let's look at it this way. Let's say that God set up an economic system that every time you said something kind, you got a dollar. And every time you said something that wasn't so kind, you gave back a dollar. I guess what I would say is, do you, are, are you like overdrawn in your account? Do you have insufficient funds? And if so, there's no reason why today you can't start making deposits. There, there's, never, there's never a bad time to start choosing to be clothing yourself in kindness. And when we do, we start putting on these things. In Proverbs chapter 16, you know what it says? Kind words are like honey. Kind words are like honey. Uh, Beth, uh, she does the, the bee thing, you know. Um, I don't know what they call that, robin bees of honey. There's, all, there's a whole lingo out there in that deal, right? You know what? And when she brings a jar of honey, it's heaven. Have you ever taken real butter, put it in a thing of honey, taken a fork and mashed it all up and drug a hot biscuit through that? When you die and go to heaven, this is what you're going to eat. I think that's what manna tasted like. Why they got tired of that, I can't imagine. Because you know what it says? Kind words are like honey. They're sweet to the soul, and they're healthy for the body. So if you're like a fitness freak and you're trying to eat clean, well, you know what the Scripture says is, man, you need to include kindness in your diet. I believe a kind person is sympathetic. Sometimes being sympathetic is just having the presence of being there. When you've had a miserable day, you know, most of us, the last thing we need is for you to pull the pin on a Bible hand grenade and lob a verse in. Most of us just need you to be there. Sometimes I think if we'd have a willingness to make kindness not so random, we would just be there. We, 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 we would be there in case something is needed. Romans 12, 15 says, when others are happy, be happy with them. If they're sad, share their sorrows. 2 Timothy 2.24, Paul says, kindness is a mark of spiritual leadership. In John 11.35, Jesus was moved with compassion. He wept at the tomb of Lazarus. If, if you want to be like Jesus, if you want to walk with Jesus, if you want to abide in Jesus, if you want to cling to that vine, if you want to hang on to that life source, you will inevitably choose kindness. That's what you will clothe yourself in. But I also believe a kind person is clear. I, I believe they're steadfast. There are times people need to confront me with, with something I have said inappropriate, something I've done that isn't, isn't right. Maybe they just need to do that. But let me just say to you, I'm probably like everybody else. If you decide to come in and blister me, I'm probably going to get defensive just like you would. But if you come in and say with, with love and with grace and with kindness, Chuck, I just totally disagree with you, but I, I want to be a part of the solution. If you're sitting in a gossip circle that you call discipleship, let me just say to you, then you're not acting in kindness. If your talk is, is about what somebody else is experiencing in their life and you have no idea what that is, not only is it sinful, you have written kindness out of the conversation. Because you see, when we're kind, we speak to people in person and we speak to people in love, right? But you see, I don't know anybody that wants to, wants to constantly be corrected. I think we wanna be encouraged. I think we, we can do that. When we act more like Jesus, even in difficult times, we speak in love and in person. Uh, me and a few of the guys on staff were eating up here at uh, Frontera one day, and a sweet lady came by, and she said, you know what? 
we were just talking about you. That's never a good thing. <laughs> like you combine Mexican lunch and talking about the preacher, this, it's not going to end well, right? And, and one of the statements was, you know, we had heard that so-and-so tried to get an appointment with you and you wouldn't meet with them. And I thought to myself, okay, number one, I, we have never said no to anybody. Now, it may take you a couple of weeks to get on the calendar, but I, I'm about as accessible as I can get to, to folks. But let me just say to you, you know what? When we sit there and we talk, I loved this lady's kindness because she was able to come to me. Isn't that great? She was able to come to me. And, and then we have an opportunity to respond in kindness. You know what she didn't do? She didn't walk up and look at me and say, you know, you scumbag, dirtbag pastor. You said no, and I know for a fact you did because so-and-so took me. You're like, whoa. You know, slow the cart down here, hon. Because see, when we act in kindness, we have the opportunity to respond much more easily in kindness, don't we? So it's on us. Hey, if you're married and you're a man, stand up. If you're married and a man, stand up. Notice I didn't say happily, I just said married. <laughs> all right, guys, I'm about to give you some of the greatest advice on all the planet. Are you ready? If you want your marriage to literally be sizzling hot, all right, I want to urge you to introduce kindness into your life again with your spouse. So I'm going to give you a few thoughts here. When is the last time you looked at your wife and said, Honey, you look great today. I'm not asking, are you telling the truth? I'm just saying, Honey, you look great today. If it's been more than a week, we need to pick our kindness game up a little bit. When is the last time you took your wife on a date and you pursued her? Now, before you say, We don't have money for that, you can go to McDonald's. I don't advise it, but... But if that's the case, when's the last time you held the door open of your car for your wife? Well, Chuck, I hadn't done that since we were dating. Pick your game up. When is the last time that you said, honey, thanks for all the stuff you do? I mean, I, I, don't, know, I don't know what I'd do without you. So today, I, what can I do to help you today? And, and if that's been more than a couple weeks, guys, it's time to reintroduce kindness into your marriage. And I promise you, Everything good that comes from having a healthy marriage is all yours, found in kindness. So that's my blessing to you guys today. Have a seat. And all the ladies said? Amen. Yeah, well, we're not done yet. If you're married and you're a woman, stand up. Jenny. Ladies, you are not off the hook. When is the last time you looked at your overweight husband that used to be sizzling hot, and now you're thinking, oh, dear Lord, and you said, baby, you still got it. Uh, hey, <laughs> let me do the talking, but that was good. When, when is the last time that you sent one of those texts that's just, I love you, and I am so grateful for you? When is the last time before he started snoring, and you did too, that you leaned over and said, I am more in love with you today than the day we married, and I believe it'll be more so tomorrow. And if none of those things have happened in the last seven days, you need to pick your game up. You want to have a great marriage? Insert some kindness into it. It'll amaze you. I am convinced when we have marital breakdowns, many, if not most of them, start when we stop conveying value to the person that God gave us as a gift. And when we stop exuding kindness in the most precious relationships, 
we start destroying relationships. Thank you, ladies. You can have a seat. And all the guys said, especially the overweight ones. You see, I believe a kind person is clear. Kindness involves a commitment to what other people care about. I believe a kind person is spontaneous. They need to act. When God gives you a prompting, act on it. If you want to hear from the voice of God, get used to answering the voice of God. Galatians 6.10 says, As we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially those who belong to the family of believers. If the people out there know us by how we love one another, how do they know us? And if it's not in kindness, something's wrong. So I do this regularly. I, wherever I go around Sugar Hill, I usually look at Sugar Hill, Buford, Swanee, coming, all this area. And I'll, I'll say, hey, do you, do you know a good church around here? And, you know, most of the time, it's like, no, not really. <laughs> For a pastor, that's so encouraging. <laughs> and, and, and then if they do say, then it's like, well, yeah. Well, which church? Well, I don't know what they call it. I think it's like the Family Church or First Baptist Church or First Sugar Hill or I don't know what they're called anymore, but it's across from the car wash. But they seem to do a lot of stuff in our schools. Once again, as a pastor, hello. One of the first things I asked our, our pastor search team when they were silly enough almost five years ago to invite me to be their pastor was they said, what do you think we, are the name of our church ought to be? I said, whatever it is now, stop changing it. Just quit. Let's be that. But wouldn't it be great if we lit a kind bomb and launched it into our community wherever you're at and kindness exploded all over this community to the degree that dude down there at the Shell Station, next time I say, hey, man, you know a good church around here? He might say, you know what, there at Sugar Hill Church at the corner, those folks are kind. Those people are nice. Those people are gracious. Those, they, don't, they don't come in here barking at me when the little receipt thing doesn't work when you do your card. They, they actually walk in here and say, hey, dude, you know you got a paper? If I could do it, I'd do it for you. You know, the waitress up at Olive Garden, you know, when you, when you want more of those breadsticks, because what you're really going to do is you put them in your purse and take them home. <laughs> what, what if you said, hey, hon, I, you have been so awesome today. I, 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 I want to leave a little something extra for you that might cover the cost of my breadsticks. <laughs> Just saying. You see, when it comes to kindness, good intentions don't count. When it comes, when it comes to kindness, yeah, the motivation has to be there, but the action needs to follow. I believe when we do that, we're moved just like the guy that was the Good Samaritan. You remember the story of the Good Samaritan? Guy gets beat up, robbed, left in a ditch for dead. Priest comes by, goes to the other side of the road. Eh, I don't have time for this guy. I'm in a hurry to get to church. I'm important. I don't do stuff like that. Next guy, a Levite, kind of like, like a deacon in the church, you know. He's walking by and sees her there. Mm, mm -mm. We got committees in our church that love those kind of people. That's not me. I got important things to do. And, and then the Samaritan, the guy that's supposed to be a mortal enemy, this guy, what does he do? He stops, he, he, he cleans him up, he bandages him, he puts him on his own mode of transportation, takes him to an end, pays for his room and doctors, tells him if it costs any more, I'll take care of it. You know why Jesus tells us the story? He tells us his parable. He tells us his story so that we know how to act more like him so that we're not the priests, so we're not the Levites, so we're not the people that walk by people in need and say, you know what, they're probably going to make more money than I am begging on the side of the road. Well, you don't know that. What if you're moved with compassion to help them? You can say, well, what if I get taken advantage of? If you are kind, you will inevitably get taken advantage of. Let me just go ahead and settle that. If you choose to be kind, you are going to get burned. Here's the good news. 
the ointment and the salve that you need for that burn is called Jesus, and he will more than make up for it. You just act kind, right? See, what did this guy do, the good Samaritan? He moved with compassion. When he saw him, he was moved with compassion. What did he do? He contacted the guy. He, he reached down, he got his hands there. He did something. You see, I don't believe the church is supposed to send money to people who go help people. I believe the church is supposed to go help people and spend their money with people who need it. I mean, I can't believe for most of my years, I sent money into a black hole of a denomination so that somebody else would go do the job that we're supposed to do. I believe the church's money and the church's people are supposed to be spent where we know people are being cared for, ministered to, and loved in kindness and in grace. Because we're the church. It's not somebody else's job to be kind. It's our job. Let's just pull the pin on kindness, lob that sucker in and blow it up. And then let's just, like have kindness parts all over you. You know, it's like the wall is splattered with nice. Would that not be awesome? What if nice, what if kindness was, I'm going to set aside my own orthodoxy, I'm going to set aside my own preferences, and we're just going to be kind. You couldn't hold the number of people that want to be in here. Here's the point. Jesus, in the miracles that he performs, is saying to you and I, fill your life with me. And when you fill your life with me, you're going to live your life with kindness. And when you don't, you're not. Last word, and we'll be done. The great thing about kindness is that you can't hide it. My dad used to say, son, you can't hide stupid. If it's there, it's coming out. He'd say, you know what, son, you can't hide money. People got money, you don't know it. You know what I'm saying? You can't hide fat. You can't strap that stuff up. You can't put it away. I mean, just, you can't hide it. You know what? You can't hide kindness either. Because genuinely kind people are doing something that's kind. May the Lord call us to be a church filled with kindness because of the presence of Jesus sitting on our heart. May we be liberal in love and grace. May we be liberal in the giving of our kindness because the Lord Jesus came and he rescued our life. And he extended kindness to us as he died on a cross and as he was placed in a barred tomb. He extended the greatest kindness ever when he rose from the dead so that we might have life with him in eternal, eternity forever. My friend, that's kindness. And if Jesus hasn't touched your life that way, maybe that's why you're not experiencing kindness. Today, it sounds just like this. Jesus, I need you. Bring your kindness into my heart and clean me up and make me new. And the Bible says with the promise, if you'll call on the Lord that way, he'll hear you and he'll answer you. And you can go live in kindness. Father, we love you and praise you. We thank you that because of you, kindness is ours. For every person here, I pray the reality that they'd experience today is your kindness and your grace and your mercy. I pray we'd go into this week and we'd find seven people throughout this week that we choose to be kind with. God, let our life intersect with your grace, your love, and your kindness so that we can just extend it more and more and then we can experience it more and more and let the church be the church. I pray we'd act like it and sound like it and look like it and walk like it and talk like it and obey you like it. In the name of Jesus, our King, our Savior, and our Lord, we pray all these things. And the church said, amen. 
Thanks for listening to the Sugar Hill Church Podcast. For more information and to find out more about our church, please visit us at sugarhillchurch.com.